0: Phone is ringing mine mine phone is ringing shut up and sit down okay, we're okay thank you for joining me if you're anything like me and uh and love a bit of MMA or wrestling uh today i'm going to be talking to talking to somebody that i that i've admired for a while his name is dave mazzani uh he is a professional wrestler Retired MMA fighter from Las Vegas. Where the range of two days almost surprised there. And so I'm jumping onto another Zoom chat with him now. Or not another one, I'm jumping onto a Zoom chat with him now. And uh, hang around, this is going to be an entertaining one. Just wait for him to jump into the room. Maybe he'll be in his wrestling shorts. Let's see. Okay, here he is now. Let's get him on the line. Getting on the screen. Who we got here? What's happening? You know, bright-eyed and squirrely-tailed. Oh,
1: yeah? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the tea and all the stuff. <laughs> but, yeah. Is this going to be an audio and video one? Or is it going to be... Would you rather put a shirt on? <laughs> no. yeah, I got one behind me. <laughs> yeah. I want to show up all this twisted steel and the steel, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, cool, man. That's looking good. Is is it it, it, it sound good and everything? It's pretty clear on my end. Sounds brilliant. (laughs) Look at that mug. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Yeah. It is. uh, I wish it was coffee, but all I have left is that damn tea, What happened to your coffee? I drank it all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, and times are tough with all the gyms closed. Are the gyms closed there as well?
1: No, it has like a, a weird like like they have gyms open with restrictions. Like our box gyms like are like you know, the gold's type gyms, you know, like weight rooms and stuff. They're just doing like limited in full. Well, I, I mean, I think their capacity is technically lower, but they put, you have to put a mask on when you go to a station. Like, let's say if you walk to the bench press, you put your mask on, then once you get to the bench press, you can take it off, do your thing. Oh, really? Put for the legs, then. yeah, so. What's the point of that? <laughs> I don't know. Our gym, our gym, we're doing a, uh, well, like, True Fusion. We have, a, we have, it's a group fitness class all the group fitness classes so like they uh set they separate everybody six feet so like but sucks because a, a class that had a 50 person capacity is now uh 15 <laughs> you know so yeah, yeah, yeah. they're 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 not making any profit right now
0: no okay well yeah i mean it is what it is at least some of the gyms are open you know there's, yeah y'all are <laughs> and up. it's harrowing there's bad stories about even even Virgin Active closing down here locally. Oh really? Yeah, going really out of out of buck. and just can't pay everybody, you know. So that's that's pretty tragic, you know. It's like a lot of the big guys just can't make it. Overheads are too much, you know.
1: So, right. Yeah. How's Vegas? Yo man, it's like you know. It's there's no gambling going on. I mean, I, I, well, we got the casinos open now, but that's still weird. Yeah. yeah, limited access. It's But there's no shows, there's no events. Uh, they just announced that the CES convention, the Consumer Electronics Convention is uh, gonna be digital in 2021, just because of all this. That was like a huge money, thing that brings in money for Vegas, like conventions and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. Shows the shows. Everybody's learning how to go digital too, you know? Yeah.
0: I wonder, I mean, I wonder how, how the digital thing is gonna take off should, should all of this eventually simmer down, you know, the whole virus disappears eventually or gets under control. I mean, I wonder how, if the digital thing will stick or if people will
1: still kind of be wary, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know, like, <laughs> there, there's something about face-to-face interaction, like. Yeah. Um, so is it still Pain
0: Train? You still call yourself
1: Pain Train, or was that an MMA thing? Yeah, in the, the pro wrestling world, like in the in the MMA, well, it was kind of funny, even my track team, some people called me Pain Train in college, and then it's sort of like, and I was like, ah, maybe I'll just make that my MMA name. And then, you know, as I was wrestling, I sort of wrestled as the, you know, the character of Dave Mazzani, the Pain Train. So, right. um, yeah, if I was to get the, you know, the boots on, and. Step into the squared circle anytime soon. It would be the pain train that comes in uh, for some pro wrestling. But so, so you
0: know, that's also your so that's also your pro wrestling name, right? So
1: yeah, yeah. And we'll see what happens with that. I mean, that that it's kind of funny. So the funny thing is the stuff that everybody's made through this COVID stuff. The stuff that everybody kind of like downplayed or whatever. You know. Um, I'm getting the sleepies out of my eyes. That's like, I just woke up. I literally rolled out of bed. But um, <laughs> um he was like, "Oh, he's stoned." I was like, no,
0: oh, <laughs> he's <sleepy. laughs> hey, um, <I'm> stoned again. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. Dang that dang pain trade. But um, you know, the during COVID, the only sports that are happening is like uh, UFC. You know, UFC's going on and the wwe sports entertainment is going on two of my favorite things and two of the things that are kind of weird and and scrutinized and mma wasn't even legal for the longest time and all of a sudden it's the only sport you can do right now really yeah i mean i know there's a couple other things going on but as far as like major international events Mm. the only one
0: yeah they've all been they've all been cancelled and some of the biggest events in the world like like wimbledon tennis or, or, you know, some right. of those 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 big grandstands all canceled, you know, and yet yeah. UFC is still going. <laughs> well, obviously, with their restrictions and, and uh, you know, no crowd.
1: Right. But, you know, what can you do? Yeah, and it was, you know, it was funny. The thing that was bumming me out just like, in the middle of COVID was, uh, UFC, it, like, so they were recording a lot of the fights in Vegas, right? And typically, um, the Vegas fighters didn't get a lot of good shots in the UFC because, you know, hey, we, we want to, they want to get an international reach. They want to get people from different areas of the country and everybody comes to Vegas to train anyway. So, like, maybe somebody that's already established, like, for example, Kevin Lee, he was from Michigan, came to Vegas to train, Extreme Extreme tour or something like that, right? Like, um, so people all travel to Vegas. So like, oh, we always put Vegas fighters in the car. So, like... They didn't give a Vegas fighter a shot in the UFC very often, but recently they're recording them like down the street. And what happens with COVID is like so they got this matchup coming up and like, oh dang, this person tested positive. Um, we need a fighter last minute. And so they've been putting fighters in, you know, giving them a shot. And who do they take? People in Las Vegas who are like literally down the street. Right. Um, because traveling's an issue too cuz like yeah. when they travel somebody to the UFC they'll like you know travel them, test them, quarantine them, test them again, you know, like there's a big long process, but if they already live there it's a lot easier. Right. You know? And so um, a few of my buddies like have gotten shots in the UFC and I was like dang it that could have been me, you know. <laughs> like Justin James for example. Right. Justin James, he's he's a uh, short bald bearded white guy like myself and like me and him are like pretty much example replicas of each other like fight style and whatever i always joke that if the efc needed somebody that was kind of like a pain drain i'd send in justin james but uh <laughs> he got a spot shot in the ufc and 40 uh he got the uh he went from being a broke fighter who's you know been grinding doing the journeyman thing like i did you know because even in, i was a champion the efc but i still had like two or three jobs yeah. but <laughs> but um, Justin was doing, doing the same thing and he goes in knocks a guy out in 40 seconds it's a fifty thousand dollar like us dollar fifty thousand dollar bonus Mad on son. top of his pay and his life is different you know like right away and i'm like Mm, that could have been me, but <laughs> you know, whatever. Like, what, what are you gonna do? He, he's one of the guys that's that's uh, that's praising COVID right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, if it was not for COVID, he probably wouldn't have got that. Uh, I mean, you know, he he was always Give like kind of on that cusp, always there. But like, the fact that they needed specifically a Vegas guy at lightweight right now, right? Like. It doesn't ha- happen very often, you know, cause like they'll even fly some dude in. Uh, yeah, yeah. They take it local, you know. What can you do?
0: So, so how many years has it been since your since your uh, MMA
1: retirement? About a year and a half, I think. I don't remember dates very well. I always got my shirt on. But yeah, it's been a solid year and a half. It's uh, yeah, a year ago, I was just looking at my stories. I, so, so right now I have a, a corporate job and look at my stories on, on uh, Facebook and exactly a year ago was helping this gym open up a franchise studio in Dallas. Yeah, I was like, dang, man. But yeah, it's been it's been a minute, and I got the itch for sure. But dang, it's just not good for my brain or my checkbook.
0: (laughs) Of course, I mean, I mean, you you came out with that with that video saying you you're retiring, which which seemed like all of a sudden, you know, you had obviously just gotten about to get your belt back. And, uh, yeah. and and then all of a sudden you retire. And then it's like, you can imagine what everyone else was thinking. The guys that were maybe lined up to fight you or maybe the guys that were dying to fight you and all of a sudden you retire. What would they be thinking? Oh, ah, easy, easy way out, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, the, prob- the problem with a lot of fighting, like what happens in fighting is like, there's always this, this one step up, one step up. You're always trying to get to that next shot. And, you know, like the title in the EFC, that meant more in my heart than it meant for, like, my, uh, you know, for the payday. The payday was, you know, like, like, I really appreciated the platform they gave me. I know exactly it was. I know they, you know, didn't have the budget to pay a fighter um, good pay, but they were, they were it, was, it was regular fights. It was great. And it was good stage. And I got to deal with fans that I never got to, you know, would ever dream of dealing with, you know, in a positive way um and uh I, I saw it as a stepping stone to the UFC and then I got to the point where like you know the UFC isn't taking 34 four year old dudes you know what I mean and uh you know and and also the body starts to break down you know like uh, I had to do more maintenance on my body things were getting injured more um I was barely making it to fights you know because the thing is is I'm, you know, I can't ride off a talent, I gotta ride off the grind. Like the way my fighting style was, they grinded, you know? And I'm not, I wasn't an Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva that could be slick and, and still kind of put up a good fight. I gotta I got have my engines running, you know, hard. <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. But, you know, my, I need to save my brain. And also I had an opportunity, you know, you get opportunities, more, like, the opportunities that we re- get, up like, I, kn- I know I had momentum in the fitness industry here in, in Vegas, and um, I picked up an opportunity soon after to you know, get a salary and a regular pay, and it, which which sucks to like, you know, like check into work and stuff, like, and not build my own schedule as much. But I'm still teaching classes. I'm still doing stuff in the fitness industry. I'm still inspiring people to, you know, do do better. I'm learning a lot. Um, so it's like, you know, like not very many fighters get to do that. They get to they figure out what they're doing. And I, I was able to fall into something that, right. you know, works out. So, yeah. nice. so
0: do you keep the belts or do you have to send it back?
1: <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> they, they, give, they give me a ring. They give me a ring. They, they, they have a, the, so their belt is an actual like traveling belt, like much like a, wwe pro wrestling belt would be so the actual belt that's given like the stanley cup right yeah so they have a belt that travels um uh they they invest a lot of money in their belt that's why it looks good feels good and they've been supposed to they're supposed to get a new design the efc um, yeah a new design belt so i mean i don't know they uh but they they gave i should have wore (laughs) <laughs> the ring, the championship ring. Yeah, big. Rings. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool because you can wear it, and I would never wear a championship belt in, in a bar or something, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Go out to dinner with my championship belt, like me old <laughs> of, like, Tim Sylvia. <laughs> Everybody had stories of Tim Sylvia, old UFC heavyweight champion, doing that guy from- Right. Coast Northeast. <laughs> yeah, he would he would rock the belt in public, and or that's bad, cool. or whatever.
0: But you still so, got. What have you got up at the gym? Uh, have you, they've got like a wall of fame thing for you, or what is what is up there? Is there something up with, <laughs> with a paint Um tray?
1: They have a little picture of me at my belly extreme to tour. That, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, my other yeah. studio, they have a picture of me doing a um, you know a fifth position. So. Fifth yeah, position. Is that yoga is a ballet. The ballet position. Oh right? right. Yeah. After one of my after one of my EFC fights, I flew back in. I went with my company. They're doing a photo shoot, and I did some boxing photos and kettlebell photos. Yeah. But I do this picture with me, and I'm wearing. I'm because I'm wearing like spandex tights for the shoot, and then I'm like this, and I'm looking this way, and my feet are doing a ba- ballet pose because I'm <laughs> I have a good turnout apparently. <laughs> And so, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny that, you know, the wall of fame as you call it in, in Extreme Couture has a picture of me in the EFC belt and I'm all tough and the other one, other studio, oh, a franchise that has studio, has a D. picture of me about you know, seven foot tall I can't um, yeah. in a ballet position. <laughs> That's kind of odd. Yeah, and I actually teach a bar class. You guys. Do you in really? Vegas. So yeah, it's a, a ballet based class <laughs> called bar b a r r e that is that against the is that against the
0: mirror? where you stand and you flex your bum and then you like <laughs> and there's a there's a bar that you hold on to
1: great yeah yep there that's that's me I I'll, uh, it, it's, it's interesting um and again that's just like one of those things that I challenge with what's that <laughs> it pays the bills it pays the bills man well, what I had to do is help open up franchise studios around the nation. So, um, and obviously we're not franchising now because everything's kind of slowed down. Yeah. But um, I had to learn every single modality that we that we teach, you know, at our studio. So, um, I have a hot Pilates class. I have every, everything on the fitness side. We also have a yoga department. But I teach everything from hot Pilates to TRX to kettlebell, to uh, a hot barefoot boot camp. Our Pilates is in the hot room. Um, I teach uh, battle ropes, um, battle ropes classes, little circuit classes. Um, I teach one of our yoga series. I I have have a, during this thing, I got a 200 hour um, yoga certification. So I'm teaching yoga, um, doing all the things. But the thing that was funny about, especially with bar is it's kind of fun to be the underdog, right? Like, guys yeah, especially when I was an American coming into uh, South Africa, you know, nobody wanted me to win. Everybody looks at me and goes, screw that guy, you know? Yeah, and then- Somebody uh, beat the American. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what it was. I mean, I'm a good guy, come on, you know, we're all, we're all part of the earth, whatever. Um, but, um, so, I, so I come and step into my bar class, Now I'm like, it's a hot bar class, so it's, not, it, uh, I don't know, 90 degrees Fahrenheit and uh and 45 percent humidity. Um, Our hot boot camp and 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 Pilates class are five degrees hotter but bar I step in and I'm like a meathead fighter guy you know cauliflower ear or whatever and they're kind of like who's this dude you know (laughs) who's this guy and then I go in there and rock their socks off and then I'm you know it's like oh yeah. Pain train, wins. You know, like I, I look at it as a competition. Can I win this? Can I win this group? Can I do this class better than a legit dancer? You know, like that's where the championship mentality, championship spirit, you know, comes in. <laughs> so
0: nothing, nothing like being competitive, bringing your <laughs> bringing your cage competition into the into the bar class.
1: <laughs> right. It's 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 crazy I was having a conversation yesterday with one of my uh, with our national fitness director and you know talking to making I'm gonna make adjustments to this this and this and I said you know it's a blessing and the curse that I have this championship mentality because I was like I'm literally I, everything I'm doing I'm trying to make the best like last week I taught my signature series class which is a uh, a set yoga series and I forgot the runner's lunge after a crescent lunge I go to runner's lunge and you do crescent twist after that and I'm like ah I'm still thinking about like the the runner's <laughs> lunge I missed and this is like literally I teach that class today at one o'clock and you know what I'm gonna nail it <laughs> but it's, it's everything from how you say a word to how I present something to the angle I'm at in the room as I'm teaching you something like I'm obsessed with making that perfect, you know? Gotcha. I want to deliver the best class possible and then, you know, do better than the people that who, who's, who's, who's that's their thing, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. a, I, like just like a mixed martial artist wants to be a better boxer than an actual boxer and a kickboxer than an actual kickboxer. If you can be better at all that with that, you know, like, you're gonna be pretty good in a, in a mixed martial artist. Lovely. Who knows, maybe you can make a comeback the fights <laughs> you know what like it's it's funny like
0: just like i'm just like i'm mike
1: yeah i get to get in there <laughs> I, I still I, I mean i still got something in me i don't know what it is but. do you miss it do you still do you still
0: train do you still train that kind of stuff you still do math work and grappling
1: or? i don't know it's weird i just get so busy with stuff like i uh it's like i don't think they have some- Energy that my body can expand—it's <laughs> like my tank. And I, you know, I teach about eight classes a week, and the classes I teach are pretty active. And then, you know, I—I've I, been—I I, kind of miss getting under a barbell. So I was under a barbell quite a bit, under and over one. You know, like doing deadlifts and squats, Just trying to get all my compound lifts in, and, and, and really messing with that. I'm, I've and I, I've even considered, you know. Like maybe I should do a strongman competition, like world strongest man style comp. Um, yeah, because uh, they have under 200 pound weight classes and I'm like about 190 now. And I was like, well, yeah, I could like, you know, put on a little bit of pounds and do well because all because world strongest man stuff is not just one rep maxes, right? It's overall strength and usually it's a dura- duration over like around a minute. So it, it's it, like, and I've always had a pretty decent overhead press. I had a pretty decent deadlift. Um, I have pretty decent grip strength from MMA, you know. And uh, and so I got like the compound movements in and you know, I, I work my Olympic lifts too, you know, and, and kettlebells and stuff. So I, I have explosion of my hips still and everything. And uh like it, it just and, and then like you know a lot of times it's like hey uh pull this truck for a minute you know and so it takes something more than just one rep max it takes a little bit of testicular fortitude and you know the pain train still got that <laughs> it would t- just be a fun yeah. thing to do testicular fortitude i'm <laughs> right <you> no. Know? <laughs> that's, that's that's the formula to success sometimes <laughs> i think it might be it might be some of that alaskan blood in your veins right? You know what it's kind of it's kind of like a silly joke but I think it's true really <laughs> yeah it's like you know and you, you guys might have something similar in South Africa like weird stuff you got to deal with other people don't But it's kind of like you know in the like when when I You'd wake up in the wintertime and you're like, oh shoot, I can't move my car. I better shovel my car out of the driveway, right? It, there's like weird stuff like that. Like, oh, I better warm up my car because it's frozen. You know, so start it up and let it run for 10 minutes and go back inside. And then like, you know, I got to experience things like knowing where my food comes from. Like I could catch a salmon, clean it, and throw it in my freezer and then eat it later, right? Or a, you know, well. killed caribou or moose. You know what I mean, and butchered that and, and that. Like this disconnect that some people have with the world. It, 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 it as I live in a quote unquote modern society, kind of makes you a little bit soft, right? Nice. Um, and and like my dad worked construction, and we kind of. it might be might be my upbringing too. You know, it could have been any country, any any part of the country. But seems like it was Alaska, which is a little bit more rugged. But you know, it's like it's you know, if you if you hurt, well, deal with it, you know? It's just pain, you know what I mean? Like, if you have to work hard for something, just work. If you want something, just work a little bit harder. Like, that's how things work. And I just think that, like, you know, as time goes by, we're getting soft, man. Like, it's just, we're, we're soft, this is, this is like, and I'm not saying it, I'm gonna say, I don't know there's would you think i have a specific political view just me by saying that but it's not like i'm i'm pretty much at down the center on all the issues but like the one thing i do believe in as a, as a value is just working hard and like just like not making excuses cuz like whether you make an excuse or you like whether you make an excuse for something or you don't it's, it's going to happen either way right and so you might as well, well not make an excuse. Just find a solution for it right away. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, um, it's it, like, hey, my right hand hurts. I'm going to punch you with my left. You, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. It's, yeah. You, I could sit there and cry about my right hand being hurt. You know, like I broke my right hand for a year one time. I couldn't fight for like a whole year. I kept re-breaking the hand and stuff. And I didn't have good medical care. I went to a veterinarian to get... My friend is a veterinarian. He gave me an X-ray. <laughs> That's all I like. <laughs> I don't know. It was ridiculous. But so when I went to the gym, I would punch and I would kick and I would I would jab and I would kick. Wouldn't throw my cross. I would you know get in the weight room. I'd figure out lifts that I could do that didn't require my hand. I did a lot of good mornings, and back squats, and zurcher squats and zurcher deadlifts. And, um, found different calisthenics I could do and I stayed in shape during it. That whole year I stayed in shape and, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no excuse. Um, Well, there is excuses, but, you know, I'm not going to use it. You You know, in in Alaska there was like, kind of had a no bullshit attitude, Yeah. you know, where, you know, we're we're not, it's not, we know it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes you got to bust your ass. Sometimes they to be uncomfortable. Of course, of course.
0: yeah, I mean, I was. I, I wonder what the truth of the the, the truth of the myth is, uh, and, and whether it's a myth or not about about you know people that grew up in Alaska and and as you say, ate ate food that you know they literally caught with their hands, uh, shot with their hands, kind of thing, you know. And it's like all this wholesome sort of produce, and that's the kind of stuff that they grew up on, you know. It's like the salmon oils and right. the salmon meat and the wild the wild meat and it's just wholesome good stuff you know and and, and right. really growing up on that stuff versus growing up on a on a on a McDonald's diet or not really a McDonald's diet but like you know a right. modern day meat diet or a modern day vegan
1: diet you know right. I mean I don't think you can put the two together no man it's 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 I mean obviously something I've followed quite a bit is nutrition too right and uh even food standards in the United States um, are arguably worse than South Africa as far as like like things like when I would go to the supermarkets and I would eat food in, in South Africa, it was different. It was it, it seemed to be higher quality. I don't know exactly the, uh, the technical food standards, but I know when compared to somewhere like Australia. Um, there's there's stuff that is illegal to feed to your people in Australia that we feed to our people in America. You know, and it's like, you know, it's it's funny because we're just we we're a country with a fair amount of money and it's powerful and stuff. But like, what, what why is this, these weird standard, Like, why are you feeding poison to people? Like, that? you that like, down people? Yeah, exactly. And, it goes like even even down to I mean I don't know what they're like over there but like our school lunches are, are completely awful like they're terrible yeah. and some kids that's like a poor a kid in a poor neighborhood um, you know that's the old that's a lot of what their food their, most of their nutrients are coming from their school lunches because they have programs to feed poor people and they, they they'll get free school lunch with their public education and um so one of the things I've always thought is like, um, if we fed our kids good, healthy in school, they would improve better in education. Like, if I eat like shit, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, even on a computer, my performance is bad, right? My performance is bad. Um, why is, you know, an athlete, you know, using your body to move? Um, why is, is good nutrients good for that, but not for somebody that's having to use their brain, Before right? You know. Brain is a muscle or whatever, it's not technically a muscle, but you know what I mean. It's something we're exercising and and whatever. Um, but so like one, performance would improve if like school lunches were better. And two, um, as we all know, we generate habits, right? So if you grew up like associating crappy food with actual food, you're like, oh, this is food. Like McDonald's is food. You know, it's not a treat or it's not something that's bad that gives your mouth pleasure and tastes good. If we train kids to like eat healthy at school at least, they, they would realize, oh, this is actual food and I associate a salad with something good and delicious instead of something gross and boring, right? Um, so I, I just, I just, that's my, that's the movement that I want.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that's a quite an interesting point, you know, about nutrition in schools, and that's where it, that's that's where it starts. I mean, that's where your day starts, uh, as that's literally the only meal that a lot of these kids are getting, you know. And yep. uh, I think there was there was that test that was done where they, you know, try to revolutionise the food in schools with healthy food. Yep. And obviously, it's so highly regulated, and uh, there was all sorts of. You know all sorts of red tape and stuff and they said that even if you took the chocolate milk that you're giving the kids and you gave them regular milk and you took the sugar away and they, they tested it and so they did like a, the whole thing where they poured all the sugar into a massive heap and they were saying that's the amount of sugar that kids consume just in one state in a, in a semester, you know and it's just phenomenal just looking at the kind of stuff that's, that, that's getting shoveled you're right like how does your brain work on that stuff?
1: It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't and it's like I, I think of the body as a machine you know like um, especially as it's developing it needs to eat really good and whatever like I don't know it it, it sucks because it you know people literally just don't know it's, and it's weird and I know yeah. people want to call everybody stupid and lazy for having poor nutrition but it's like yeah it's, it's not something in our society that we had to think about um, you know like in the 1920s, you just made food and you ate it. And and uh, food would cost more relative to your income back then than it does now. Yeah. You know, like food is like really inexpensive, like to be perfectly honest. Right. Kind of, and, and so like something that, you know, oh dang, that's expensive. It's probably cheaper relative to the, you know, cheaper relative to, you know, if you what put it in inflation and all that stuff, right? Like relative to how it was back then, um it was probably cheaper. So it just like but we still choose a cheaper option than even the cheap healthy food. And of course you know, yeah. then you can get into like soil depletion and all that stuff too, yeah. not nutrients. What,
0: what was wild. your what was your take on
1: the game changes? It was uh you know, it was, it was good propaganda. They did good. They yeah. did a good job, like like it was basically you have an art and this is this is the problem with the internet and this is the problem with um everything that's going on everywhere yeah it's like if you can take a person with a, a person that's really good at convincing people a person that can edit something and then find a few studies and you can cherry pick different things um yeah, you can do a good job convincing somebody of anything. There's great convincing YouTube videos that the Earth is flat, right? Like, and people in the you know way back in the day figured that out with math, you know, like that, you know. And, and the people that think the the Earth is flat generally don't have a good background in math, right? They don't like I, I sucked at math, but I took a lot of like high-level math classes, uh, barely passed them, but it taught me like really smart things, and, and so. And I think a lot of us aren't very good critical thinkers. Um, So you look at something like, like, okay, this is like the biggest, the biggest piece of evidence that I give to people with game changers and there's strength and conditioning coach named Charles Poliquin. Right. And he he's he dead now, but um, he died like had a heart attack or whatever. But this dude was a, he, he, do you remember that movie Rain Man? Yes, Rain Man. He was like Rain Man with strength and conditioning. He would just be like just read stuff and spout out right. Right. And so what he was is he was the strength conditioning coach for Canada's Olympic team since like the '70s. He was like so he's been reading blood work since the '70s, and I was um, introduced to like his. Methods or whatever. When I was uh, um, training at Adam State College, one of our coaches' names was Derek Woodsky. Derek Woodsky was the Canadian record holder in the hammer throw, so he was a badass dude from a small town in in in, um, in Canada, and he was really good. He was he was really smart because. You know, he was in a small town. He had to figure out how to train himself, right? And so he was very re- well read himself. He was highly influenced by Charles Poliquin because of Poliquin's background and you know being an Canadian thing, you know. Okay. And so, so like I did a lot of his methods, and I and I just happened to end up reading a lot of stuff, and I ended up doing a seminar with him later on in life. A gym I was at, like, hey, we we're hosting a seminar. Do you want to take the spot? Because they nobody, you know, we, they let us have one, and I'm like. Charles Poliquin? Yeah, it was like a weekend and it cost like two grand, $2,000, uh, pretty much a fight purse for uh, EFC. <laughs> okay. like, a title fight worth of money was how much it cost to do the seminar, right? You know, put it in that kind of perspective. But this dude, like, this was legit. So we got to sit listen to this guy, spout off um, all these numbers and whatever. But so, so this guy, Charles Poliquin, he read blood work, he had strength conditioning protocols, and all you want to do in the Olympics is win, right? Like, no matter what it takes, you do anything you can to win. If you're a high-level athlete and you know that you eat something, you do an exercise protocol, you sleep in a high-altitude tent, whatever, you're gonna do whatever it takes to win. So this guy doesn't care what is is in fashion he doesn't care what works, doesn't work. He just cares what it takes to win. Yeah. And so, as he's talking about his nutrition profiles, and so basically, what he did this this seminar is he developed a system to where, like, fat calipers, where you just fat distributes along your body, and he was able to predict hormone imbalances based off of where your fat is distributed in your body. Right. Just because he had, he had a cre- so much evidence of. From the '70s, he had blood readings from athletes, and he also did fat caliper tests on athletes too. And he noticed, with his mind, like there's kind of a trend: people with a lot of belly fat and pec fat, or like you know, or people with pec fat and tricep fat were estrogenic, right? Like that's where somebody estrogenic generates a lot of fat, you know. And he just like, and then there's a bunch of other things too. I remember that one specifically, but so. He, one of the things people say, hey, you know, we're talking about food and like how you can make adjustments in your food to help your hormone imbalances and fat loss and whatever, cortisol, or, you know, all this stuff. He's a big proponent of fish oils. He's one of the first guys to be really into that. Um, he goes, uh, so he goes, well, say you have a vegetarian or a vegan athlete, what would you do? He's like, well, I would convince them to eat meat. <laughs> and they're like, well, what if they refuse to eat meat? He goes, well, I would work with him, but I wouldn't guarantee any results, you know? Because he knows that, you know, he knows what works. And the problem with the Game Changer documentary too, is they didn't take somebody eating a healthy meat eating diet oh. and then convert them to vegan and say, yo, this guy got better. They're taking somebody like what you said, a shit McDonald's diet and making them vegan. Like, yeah, you're, eat, you're actually watching what you're eating. Yeah, you'll get better performance, you know? Yeah. That's like one of the things and I, I you know, you can go down the list with that one. But overall and then there's outliers, man. Usain Bolt. And and you saw what you, Usain Bolt and like I know a lot of high level athletes that eat like garbage. They're so talented that, you know, they're yeah. good. Like Usain you know, Bolt's like, one of them, right? What's that? Usain Bolt's one of them. He, he supposedly eats a lot of fast food, you know what I mean? Like, he's, uh, yeah. you know, whatever. Michael Phelps would be pounding pizzas. I mean, I know he needed a lot of, you know, calories, but, you know, he was pounding all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: And both of them were smoking weed, and then they, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then they get their sponsors taken away. But, um, but yeah, they, uh, yeah, it's so, like uh, a game changer. I can, I can go, I mean, I, cause, uh, and the hard part of this thing is, I, I work in a yoga studio, right? Right. studio with a yoga background with like a big yoga program and all our uh, other things, you know. So, uh, obviously, you can imagine how many people were uh, talking to me about it or asking me about it. all uh, right right. Yeah. You know, the strongest man in the world is a vegan. And I'm like, no, he's not. That like, guy couldn't even do his, he didn't even make it to the really, like, the high-level strongman circuit, you yeah, know? Right. Like, you know, that's just...
0: Yeah. Any reason, reason I, I mean, the only reason I, I'm asking is because we naturally just went on... Uh, yeah, from Alaska to what people eat, and I know you're into fitness and training and stuff. And I was just wondering if you're into into the um, the nutrition side of fitness. You know, yeah. have you given any kind of thought to this? What is your opinion? Obviously, you know, the movie came out, and then and then all the meat eaters jumped on top of it, and were you know, kind of, you know. So I was just asking your opinion, see what see what you thought.
1: Right, overall, man, like. Like, like, nutrition for me, like, I in the beginning of my, you know, because I've been coaching since I was, I was always the captain of my youth teams and stuff. But the of, in post-college, I've been coaching since I was 25. I was ahead of a high school varsity hockey team, track team, cross-country team. Wow. Um so i like, so I've obviously wanted my kids reform. So I would like, you know, work with nutrition, study it and like try to figure out what works best and you know, all the things. And you know, at the end of the day, like I, it's, it's hard because nutrition is so individual. It's in, in my opinion, like we yeah. all have different genetic backgrounds. We have different goals. Like, Hey, I want to eat good. Well, for what, what, what is your goal? Like. You know what I mean? Like, it, it varies off of what your goal is. Um, it varies off of your budget and what you're working towards. Um, it varies off, are you willing to cook? Can you cook? Um, yeah. There's uh, And and just bodies react to different things. And you just have to be a mad scientist yourself and just try things out and do it. Like, the problem is, is people, you know, put emotion to it. You put emotion, attach emotion to your um, diet, and then all of a sudden you look for confirmation bias to um, increase, you look to confirmation bias to, to reinforce you, the ideas that you want to have, you know, like, yeah. you know, yeah. hey, I really don't want to kill animals, um, so I'm going to find reasons to make a vegan diet um, better performance wise. Well, if you take the emotion out of the equation, you'll probably find different results than you're finding right now. And, yeah. you know, like with things like Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff, it's really easy to find confirmation bias. Confirmation bias, be- meaning being like, oh, that's that thing that I agree with. I'm gonna subscribe to that. This person doesn't agree with me. I'm gonna delete them. And all of a sudden you have more of this stuff going on. Uh, yeah, that has things that you agree with and the people that you don't agree with, it just goes away because you delete them, you block them, you silence them you see it, don't read it, don't read it, you know, I, I still got all my dickhead friends that are on the left and the right, you know, <laughs> because I just want to see what everybody's saying, you know, like, I'll you know, see all the, the Democrats and the Republicans battle just because, you know, like, it's funny because I see, like, those people slowly, slowly shift even further because they're not listening to the other other argument, they're listening to the other side. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, Man. I don't know, it's
0: weird. If you're ever confused, you just jump onto your Harley and ride into the mountains. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know. Yeah, well, and, and legit, that's my... my. I took a trip to Alaska recently, during which was... I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to travel, but I booked a ticket anyways because it was super cheap. Um, but when I went to Alaska, it was just like, turn all my stuff off. My only worry was, like, sleeping 8 to 10 hours a night, and my catching fish and eating food and drinking way too much beer yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) living life living the life Dave there's two things there's two things in my mind that uh, that stick out from when you used to come to South Africa fighting right yeah, and, uh, and and they got nothing to do with fighting. <laughs> and the one was, the <laughs> one was uh, your sense of humor. Uh, yeah. Somehow, somehow, it struck me as not a as a natural sense of humor. A lot of people, when they're nervous, they come up with this this, this kind of humor, you know, just to cover the nerves. You seem right. like you seem like a pretty uh, somebody that appreciates the, you know, the less serious kind of side of life. And then also and then the second thing that was um, that I remember was the way that you used to interact with the kids. Right. Was that was that is that something you've always loved? You always loved like you know, children and like their appreciation of you as an artist? Or was it just is it just your fans really? Or was it just like a thing of spending time with fans, signing stuff? You know, is, is that is that one of the things that makes you tick? Is like the, the fans at that sort of level of,
1: of uh, sportsmanship? Yeah, it was, well, even before all this, I, I worked, I mean, I worked with kids when I was, you know, uh, like high school sports and stuff like that. I, I coached, um, I uh, worked for a, a company called Never Give Up Behavioral Health Services, where yeah. I gave uh, workouts as a part of a therapy regimen like as a part of their their therapy was uh you know physical activity through the pain drain you know um but they were all foster kids kids you know um in troubled neighborhoods and troubled like households um i work with them um and and also like uh, so like i've always liked to make an influence on them and one of the reasons why is like I remember when I was a kid, I just looked, looked up to athletes, you know, and I really looked up to athletes and, and people, you know, I was like, saw a ho- local hockey player I, I grew up playing ice hockey, and I'd be like, whoa, you know, that guy's so cool, and, and you know, the times that he, get, you know, like that, that athlete just gave me a little bit of attention, you know, thought about that my whole life, you know, and it's just like, crazy how powerful that is and we tend to forget how powerful we are as as individuals like even if you're not even a you know high level famous athlete guy um you you you're you're powerful to somebody like your nephew your niece your right you you guys we all have a lot of power and we tend to forget that because kids those kids are a future you know what i mean And, and uh someday they're gonna be taking care of you. <laughs> like my dad said, Dave, you're gonna, you owe me at least three diaper changes when you get, when I can get older. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, that, and that might be where the sense of humor came by too. <laughs> my dad uh, busting balls on the, uh, the old uh, construction site, which for me, it's kind of work too. Cause you know, like I'm right now I'm in a corporate office yeah. to go around yeah. with a silly coffee mug and like crack jokes to people and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know because the office is so boring and you know gets me get gets things moving better and like when you're in a construction site and you can laugh things off like yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. you gotta pass the
1: time somehow you know and, you know you can't take this I mean as serious everything is you can't take this crap too seriously it's it's not <laughs> it's it's life. Get a fun with it. Like right now, you right now it's, you're supposed to be outraged about every single thing that happens. And, and I don't know. Like I, I'd rather laugh it off a little bit, you know, and just that's enjoy good. enjoy your time on this earth because it's short. You, yeah. you shouldn't spend it being angry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Soon you'll be changing nappies.
1: Then <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> the nappy that's red, right, you guys call them. Adult adult nappies. Oh yeah, diapers. You said diapers, right?
1: Yeah, I did. (laughs) American
0: (laughs) way. Cool Dave. You're genuinely a good guy, it seems, or a good actor, one of the two. Yeah, I'm a good. It might be a good actor. Who knows? You You could hang up this call and go. (laughs) Yeah, we
1: go slap some puppies or something. You know. Yeah.
0: So what does your, so your day look like now? What is a typical day
1: in uh, in your life? Day in the life of the pain train. I'm going to make a late breakfast here. And then uh, I'm going to go to the office. today. <laughs> I'm going to go to the office, work on some evaluation forms. I'm trying to figure out how to effectively evaluate classes because of franchising. And I'm trying to, I'm helping with the education program over there right now. And, and then... Uh, I teach a yoga series at one, one o'clock, a yeah. signature series. I'm looking at my calendar now. And then I have a boxing class that I teach at four thirty. we teach we, we offer boxing there. Right. And then four thirty to five thirty. And then I'm gonna go over you know you know Jessica I, the uh, UFC she fought for the title back in the day. No it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Ja- yeah, Jessica I. She's She's uh she wants to dabble into pro wrestling. She's one of the UFC fighters, um, friends of my sister, and then she knows that I do pro wrestling. She'd come to one of my events before. And so i me and my buddy Cutthroat Cody, Cody Hancock, um <laughs> work some uh Cutthroat bring her her place. Actually Jessica. <laughs> yeah, I got I got we're gonna have Cutthroat Cody, Dave the Pain Train Mazzani, and Jessica Evil Eye all together and um but she has a little gym inside of her garage you got mats and a cage and stuff but we're gonna work some pro wrestling things nice. she's looking at the idea of like maybe you know seeing because like at the end of the here's the deal too at the end of your career you know she's you know when you hit your 30s you're at the end of your career like bottom line like dang that's the reality of it right yeah. <laughs> like I'm I'm never done. Hey, when you're in your 30s, you're getting close. You know, you never know. One injury, you're done. Right? And that's when you make your most money. What's that? I'd say the sooner you face that fact, the better on you. Yep. And uh, that's when you make the most money. Your last fights are your big money fights. That's the bottom line. And so... um, She's looking in WWE, right? Like it's just like you know, it and it's not easy. People think, oh, it's fake fighting. It's easy to do. no, it's 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 tough. I'm not talking about. It's probably not as tough physically, but to um, change your mindset for pro wrestling is different than mindset for fighting. And you might be able to move a certain way, but can you put on a show? Can you show? Can you communicate with a teammate? Can you do this and that? So, um, me being a fighter um, who could burn a pro wrestling i'm trying to help jessica you know do the same thing a little bit like this is, this is the second time we're getting together it's just kind of funny but that's cool yeah I'm gonna ask what my day is that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's but that's the weird life of las vegas too you get like weird stuff all the time like you just never know you, know, you never know, what's
0: gonna you, never know, happen. know gonna happen. you never know it's gonna happen yeah. so so before you before you go just see our time is running out what so that so that little that middle name in any not in any but in most fighters, you know, that middle name, you know, the pain. Yeah. Threat, where did that yeah. start? Is that just uh is that just part of the kinda of trying to tell people how badass you are or where you know, where does that come from?
1: I don't know where the ring name originated. I, I that would be a, a fun was, search actually. Yeah, yeah. But I know it like communicates a little bit of personality to your fighter right, right? like cuz here's the thing about fighting is like you know, it doesn't matter doesn't matter how good or bad a fight is you want to be emotionally invested in somebody somehow you got to create you got to they got to associate that person with a personality and sometimes a ring name gives that personality that makes it interesting yeah um, like that's why they like to do things like the countdown shows uh, for a fighter and stuff like that. So like you can be like, oh, I actually like that person or, oh, that guy's a piece of crap. Either way, you the face or the heel. You want to know like who that person is. Like, you know, like if you like if you've watched your friend fight, you're more invested in that fight than if you watched a stranger fight. You know, like you get a different feeling, getting your friend, seeing your friend get knocked out and you see a random. Yeah, no. right. so it's I think the nickname is just another way to um, communicate a personality a little bit I guess you know.
0: I guess a lot of the a lot of the times they're not accurate <laughs> it's like no you know no. like, like hey. the the painter.
1: Patreon, <laughs> the and then the
0: job, and then the, that hand icon come from when you broke your hand, and you were
1: like, ah, <laughs> ah, no, that's Iron Claw. So that has base, that has base behind pro wrestling. Right. That's my finisher. Yeah. So, so the Iron Claw Baron Von Raschke kind of made it popular. The, the Von Eriks made it popular. Um, there they're a family of wrestlers in Texas, but you would just take your hand you grab their face and you squeeze it and then they die. That's the pro wrestling. <laughs> and, um, it just so happened, like my brother and I would like flash the claw back in high school. We thought it was cool. We thought it was cool yeah. pro wrestling That's like, stuck. thing. And then so when I fought my first EFC fight against Winslow Mill, for whatever reason, I was so excited. I saw a camera and I put up the claw, you know? Oh, was like, really? Well, was that's... it just off the whim? You had nothing you had planned, it was just like... Was I kind cool. of thought it would, like, one day it'd be cool <laughs> to, like, maybe do the claw in a pro wrestling in an MMA fight. And, then, like, then I just, it just sort of happened. I was like, all right, let's go. And, and then I was like, well, I'm going to keep this rolling. Because, again, it's a marketing tool, right? If you look different, like, there's a lot of bearded, bald, white guys out there that fight. Um, if I have a, a, a look or a pose or a something, you know, that looks good. That makes sense. That has, and it, and it has base around it. So it became my pro wrestling finisher, which for me was awesome because um, it's safe. Everybody doesn't, nobody minds taking the claw. Like, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be squeezing their face, but I'm really not. That's right, you guys that's right. gonna, no, I'm really not squeezing their face. And also, they don't have to do a flip off the top rope or nothing, For my, I don't have to drop them on their head, you know, it's like, it's a safe finisher. So when I was pro wrestling, I always wanted to keep my body safe, because I always had a fight coming up. And and uh, the old school guys would recommend somebody wrestling like that, because instead of like doing a bunch of cool moves in pro wrestling, you're telling a story. Yeah. And uh, so the claw in MMA tells a story about who I am and what my background is, it's kind of like, you know, it's almost a metaphor for everything. And, you know, all the pain train is sort of like, like, rec- like talks about my straightforward kind of aggressive wrestling smash into you style. Uh, but it's also kind of silly in the it same sense. It like pain about, train. And, talks about riding over somebody and inflicting terrible amounts of pain. <laughs> right. Like, you know, and when I fight, that's what I intend to do. Right. Um, and but it's a kind of a silly thing. It's it, it's it's kind of silly. I got it off of a Reebok commercial. Um, we kind of come up, you know. There's a Terry Tate office linebacker Reebok commercial. That's hilarious. Yeah. You ever have a internet search? Is part where he's about oh, to. Yeah. It. It's it's basically this, there's this office, and they hire this giant linebacker, this giant football player, American football, right? Um, Gridiron, and and as people are messing up in the office, he like tackles them. He tackles them and throws them into the wall. Like, oh, you're late, Leonard. uh, Get your cover sheet on the TPS report. Ah." On one time, this guy threw his can into the trash and not the recycle bin, and he goes, "All right, you better put that back in the recycle. The pain train's coming." Woo woo woo. And we thought that was funny, and somehow I adopted that name because I would vomit all the time after workouts. Like, ah, the pain train. And then, um, the pain train's coming. That's a a happy track. Like, I'd run anything 800 and longer, I'd just puke my guts out. It was was disgusting. (laughs) What you gonna do? (laughs) What
0: you gonna do? Pain train, thank you. Appreciate it, man. You too. Appreciate appreciate your time. Have a good day there. I am uh, going home for dinner. That's what time it
1: is here. So <laughs> go do it, man. It's good to you up. Nice to see you, and uh, like that. it's pretty neat that we can communicate on the other side of the world with the internet. That'd
0: be cool. Well, let's run it back another time. We'll do another another discussion on something else. Sounds good. Yeah. That's All good, right, brother.
1: It. We'll catch you later.
0: Enjoy that. Enjoy the bar class. I will. Made <laughs> man. See yeah. yeah.
1: Bye.